Penn State's annual whiteout game kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time this Saturday, September 23rd. And while Notre Dame and Ohio State will be playing at the same time, and that game will definitely overshadow this game, and there are other matchups throughout the day, let's say Ole Miss, Alabama, UCLA, Utah, Florida State, Clemson, and Colorado and Oregon that might draw in more interest and more conversation when it comes to college football playoff and conference championship ramifications, this game should not be underestimated. Number one, because it's a whiteout game. This is a revenge spot for Penn State, who got burned by Iowa in 2020 and in 2021. It's a spot for the Nittany Lions to get revenge and for Iowa to come in and make a statement win. The Iowa Hawkeyes have the schedule. Part of the reason for that is because they play in the Big Ten West in its final season. They have an easy enough schedule to where if Iowa finds a way to win this game, the likelihood they go 12-0 is shockingly high. Penn State, by a mile, is Iowa's toughest game on their 2023 schedule. After Penn State, the Hawkeyes host Michigan State in a night game. They host Purdue at Wisconsin on October 14th and at Nebraska on Friday, November 24th to close out the season. After this matchup against Penn State in Beaver Stadium, those will likely be the toughest games for Iowa to play. Potentially a home game against Minnesota could cause some troubles, and maybe against Rutgers if the Scarlet Knights are legit, and they have looked that way for the first three weeks. But Penn State, they're heavily favored to win. Obviously, the Nittany Lions are ranked 7th. The Hawkeyes are ranked 24th. Penn State, under James Franklin, is 5-3 and three in whiteout games losing to Ohio State in 2014 and 18, and losing to Michigan in 2015. But in 2016, 17, 19, 21, and 22, the Penn State Nittany Lions have come away as winners in what I think is the biggest, baddest, and best college football stadium atmosphere in the whole land. The whiteout is phenomenal. And that's why I am excited to have this game probably on my second TV. And I'll be watching it and paying attention to it while primarily focusing on Ohio State and Notre Dame, but I will pay my respects to this game. Because Penn State winning here would be big for their psyche. They'd get revenge. It would give them juice. Penn State themselves, their schedule is underrated in, I think, the toughness or, from some perspectives, lack thereof. After hosting Iowa this Saturday, they have Northwestern and UMass and a bye week smudged in between the Wildcats and the Minutemen. Penn State can essentially sleepwalk through those three weeks and only prepare for Ohio State, who they travel on the road to face October 21st. So... This game here is the biggest test for both of these programs thus far. And after this game, Iowa and Penn State have a lot of time to not relax. You can never relax and underestimate your opponent. 
but plenty of time to heal and recover as they will be facing inferior opponents to warm them up for their next challenges, and that's very important. Penn State here gets to let out all the juice, all the anger, anything they've built up toward Iowa ever since a close, tight, heartbreaking loss in 2021. And believe me when I say that Penn State right now is the superior team. There's no doubt about it. Iowa has had struggles on offense and even on defense. Their defense, specifically their secondary, in my opinion, isn't as tight as I would expect a Phil Parker defense to be. Of course, Penn State has their own issues. Their offensive guard and center play is suspect, and their defensive tackle play, I gotta say, I would used to say as average, I'm gonna come out and say it's bad. But outside of those two positions, Penn State has weapons at wide receiver. We know they have weapons at tight end and running back. And Drew Aller at quarterback has not turned over the football yet. He's taken very good care of the ball. He can run. He can elude pressure. He's growing every game in a sense of maturity. Maybe not statistically he's getting better, but the more starts and the more snaps that Drew Aller has, the better. And he has limitless potential when it comes to his throwing arm, his accuracy, his size, and speaking of size, his ability to move the chains on third and short and fourth and short. You quarterback sneak with Drew Aller, even behind an offensive line that isn't Joe Moore Award caliber, I don't think you're stopping him from picking up a, a fourth and one or fourth and inches on a quarterback sneak with his height, length, and power and weight. I think that this game is, as I've said before, underrated. Week four has a lot of good matchups. There are a lot of games where Rutgers, Michigan, for example, or Florida State and Clemson, there's a highly ranked team facing a team that isn't in the top 25, but they that those matchups could be good matchups. And then Oregon and Colorado is going to attract a ton of hype. Notre Dame, Ohio State is, and rightfully so. Ohio State, in my book, is a top four, top three, top two team. And you will see this in a delayed but still elite top 25 video that I am releasing within the next 24 hours. And the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, I don't know if they're quite a top 10 team, but they're good. And I've already made a preview video for that game, so if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on this week's slate of games, make sure to subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell because I have more preview and prediction videos releasing this week and also some power rankings, and I'm going to be going live either this Thursday or Friday to talk more about Week 4 and get some of my subscribers' thoughts on Week 4, and you won't want to miss that. We're a community that is growing, and growing at an alarming rate because we produce great content. We love to dive into statistics, analysis. We're not a channel that is in a rush. We like to take our time, talk, and think things through, and it's a lot of fun over on the College Football with Sam community. So I'd appreciate it if you join us. And also like this video and comment your prediction on this game down below. But yeah, as I've said now for three times, I think this matchup is underrated. And normally a Penn State whiteout would be something of conversation that people can't stop talking about. But Notre Dame and Ohio State, that's the same week. Colorado is buzzing right now, and they're traveling into Eugene, Oregon. Oregon, by the way, in that game is like a three-touchdown favorite right now, and to a certain degree, rightfully so. 
Penn State, meanwhile, they're favored by 15 points. Now, the difference between, let's say, Colorado and Iowa is Colorado has no defense, no trench play. In a certain sense, they're the polar opposite of Iowa. Iowa is all trench play, all defense, although I think Iowa is a better team than Colorado. They do have some underrated skill players at running back, tight end. They have some talent at wide receiver. And Cade McNamara, when he's on, is a good quarterback. Not a great quarterback, but an an above-average to good quarterback. Colorado is only a six-point more underdog than Iowa is. And Oregon's offense, let me tell you, I think it's better than Penn State's offense. It's at least more explosive. And Outson Stadium is loud. So that line comparing it to Oregon's and Colorado's, I think is interesting. And I just thought of that right now, looking at Oregon, Colorado. This line is big. Iowa is rarely blown out. They were defeated by double digits against Michigan and Ohio State last year. That was it. That was it. Everyone else, every other team they lost to, Iowa State, Illinois, Nebraska, one score. And every other team they beat very often, like Minnesota, for example, one score. Wisconsin, if not for a defensive touchdown, one score. And many other games function that way. Oh yeah, South Dakota State, one score. For Penn State to be favored by 15 points says a lot about how Vegas and power rankings view the Nittany Lions. In fact, Penn State right now is the second highest ranked Big Ten team, according to ESPN's FPI. They're far ahead of Michigan, who's at 14th. I think Michigan's very undervalued in FPI power rankings and according to Vegas, but they haven't covered for three games in a row. And most power rankings and Vegas, of course, they have to, respect teams who cover. They don't respect teams who don't cover. It's understandable, but I think there are a variety of reasons, particularly Jim Harbaugh, as to why Michigan hasn't covered in the first three weeks. But Penn State, to their credit, they covered against Western Michigan. They covered against Delaware, West Virginia, not Western Michigan. And they covered against Illinois on the road winning 30-13 to in one of the more impressive performances in a weak and sluggish Week 3 slate. So Penn State being favored by 15 points just shows how respected they are. And based off of them covering the spread and Drew Aller looking like a top 25, top 20 quarterback and a defense that forced five turnovers from Illinois, has constantly been able to get pressure, and his great secondary play and linebacker play. Why not? They also went on the road and covered. Not many teams can say that so far. So the line is big. I think it's big. Perhaps too big, but we'll get into that later. However, there is a reason for it, and there's logic behind it. Penn State's also given an 86.8% chance to win, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, this is the whiteout game. It'll be played in Beaver Stadium. Both teams are 3-0, and and this is a top 25 matchup. The Hawkeyes are 24th, and the Nittany Lions in this game are 7th. So according to FPI, the Nittany Lions are currently undervalued in the polls. Iowa, though, 33rd in FPI. They're not a team to play around with. They have a good defense. 
Their offensive line is the best that it's been since 2020. They have depth at running back. I want to shoot this out there. Um, Caleb Johnson, Iowa's starting running back, is out in this game for injury, which is devastating. But LaShawn Williams had a breakout performance against Western Michigan, so Iowa is deep. Um, at tight end, they have, you know, Eric All, Luke Lachey. On defense, they return Cooper DeGene from last year. So this is a solid, stout team. Iowa is known for fundamentals. They're known for being very conservative. But when you make a mistake, the conservative turns to full-out aggression and violence, especially from the defense, where pick sixes, defensive touchdowns, sacks, and bullying you and taking away your lunch money is a common theme. That's the identity of Iowa football, especially their defense. The identity for Penn State football looks very different. They're a very boomer-bust offense, and recently the same goes for their defense. Manny Diaz is a more aggressive defensive coordinator than Brent Pry was. This means, of course, a variety of different things. I mention this because the last time Iowa faced Penn State was with a Brent Pry defense. Brent Pry's defenses won't have the same upside that Manny Diaz's defenses do. There won't be as many blitzes, there aren't as many, you know, creative pass rush packages, and it's honestly not as exciting of a defense Brent Prize wasn't compared to Manny Diaz's. But Manny Diaz's defense also has that flip side. The con to being aggressive is big plays, and you saw that last season in his first year, whether it was against Ohio State, where C.J. Stroud had his most efficient day passing of the whole season against a Power 5 opponent, I do believe, and where Cade Stover, Travion Henderson, Igbuka, and Marvin Harrison Jr. were at the end of the game, they just broke that defense through big plays and Penn State's poor tackling. And against Michigan, where Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum were able to gash Penn State for over 400 rushing yards. That's the con. The pro, as I've already mentioned, is against teams, especially teams that don't have the same star power that Penn State does, this defense feasts. And if you miss an assignment against this defense or you're out of position, you will pay because they will come after you. They will not hold back, etc. So the conservatism of Iowa versus the aggression of Penn State is a matchup that I think is quite interesting. I think that Iowa fundamentally and historically has been better in the trenches, but Penn State at skill positions and on the perimeter, both offensively and defensively, is the superior team. It's going to make quite an interesting matchup, and you see that here. I actually think that Penn State this year has the slightly better offensive line. I think that Iowa has the better guard play, better interior play, but when you have Olu Fashanu and you have talented players for Penn State's offensive line, I think that the offensive line for Penn State right now has an upside and a level of chemistry and togetherness that Iowa's offensive line doesn't quite have yet. However, defensively, I think Iowa has guys like Deontay Craig, Logan Lee, Joe Evans, Yaya Black, Aaron Graves, true freshman last season, true sophomore this season, Jeremiah Pittman, Ethan Herkett, Max Llewellyn, 
Iowa has depth at defensive line. I think that Penn State has the potential to have better pass rushers, but I think at defensive end, it's very close. Evans and Craig, remember last season combined, had 13 and a half sacks. Right now, Penn State has more sacks than Iowa does for sure. I think they have around 10 total sacks on the year. Yep, they have 10. Iowa, meanwhile, only has three. So, so far, Penn State has done a better job at rushing the passer, but the potential at that defensive line for Iowa is a lot. And a defensive tackle, Logan Lee, even though Noah Shannon is currently suspended, Logan Lee's a great defensive tackle, and I don't think Penn State has a defensive tackle that is like him on the interior. So, trench play is split. O-line goes to the Nittany Lions, and the D-line goes to the Hawkeyes. Special teams, I think, goes to the Hawkeyes. Penn State right now, Alex Falcons is their kicker, and he's had a great performance. He went 3 of 4 against Illinois, and the only reason he likely didn't go 4 of 4 is because Jerzon Newton penetrated that, you know, that offensive line on special teams to who was protecting Falcons and he blocked he blocked a long field goal. That's the only reason why Falcons didn't go 4 of 4. So Penn State has a good kicker. But Iowa has Troy Taylor. They also have Drew Stevens as their kicker. And Cooper DeGene last year proved to be an effective punt returner. And I imagine that, you know, if Caleb Johnson was healthy and playing in this game, the special teams advantage would be even more exemplified. And Caleb Brown, Seth Anderson, and some other players, I imagine, you know, running backs for Iowa as well, have been trained to to just be good on special teams. Coverage is good, punting is good, kicking is good. Iowa special teams is very well-rounded. I know we always talk about Phil Parker, and rightfully so. He is the best defensive coordinator in the Big Ten. He's the best defensive coordinator in the nation. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I think to debate anyone on that would be foolish. I think that's a fact. But someone who doesn't get enough credit is LeVar Woods, their special teams coordinator. The best special teams coordinator in the nation, I think, belongs to LeVar Woods, who played at Iowa in the late 90s and has been on Iowa staff since 2008. And since 2018, he has been the special teams coordinator of this team. Definitely one of the best um, special teams coaches, best assistant coaches in the nation. And finally, at tight end, I think Iowa has an advantage there with Luke Lachey and Eric All. Lachey already has over 100 receiving yards, and he leads Iowa, by the way, in receiving yards with 131. Eric All is second in receiving yards. Seven receptions, 81 yards, and one receiving touchdown. Iowa's tight ends right now lead in receptions, receiving yards. Iowa more so now than perhaps ever, with the exception of last year when their wide receivers were banged up, is, you know, tight end. Tight end, tight end, tight end. It's like with Noah Fant and um, whoever was playing for the... TJ Hawkinson. It's like Fant and TJ Hawkinson. I don't think Lachey and All are that good of a duo, but the history of tight ends with Iowa, that's continuing now with Eric All and Luke Lachey. Lachey being one of the best tight ends in all of college football. But that is where the advantages end, because I can tell you the truth that quarterback, running back, at wide receiver, 
And I think linebacker and even defensive back, though defensive back is very close, I think Penn State has a decisive advantage at those positions. Iowa has an elite secondary, but Penn State does too, and they have better depth. And Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Kevin Winston Jr., Jalen Reed, and Daquan Hardy have been playing out of their minds. They all collected four interceptions against Luke Altmaier last week against Illinois. And this was a secondary that last year was number two in passer rating allowed. Number two, only behind Illinois, who had Sidney Brown, Devin Witherspoon, and more NFL players on that roster. And Illinois' secondary has not been the same since those players left for the NFL after 2022. Iowa, though, has Cooper DeGene, Xavier Nwampka, and I think that they'll be great at secondary. These secondaries are going to be tight. They're not going to allow many big plays, but Iowa's, I think, has shown a vulnerability. I saw this against Iowa State, where they managed to convert a fourth down to get in the end zone and to keep the game alive. They were able to burn an Iowa defensive back, and then against Western Michigan, the Hawkeyes surrendered a you know, it's a 64-yard touchdown pass. It's crazy. They've had some of those vulnerabilities exposed that Penn State's secondary just hasn't yet. And then at linebacker, Penn State has Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, Iowa has Nick Jackson, Jay Higgins, I, and Abdul Carter is, in my mind, too good. Too good of a player. Most linebacker rooms would not compare with Penn State's. Also, Iowa, I wanted to mention that they do have Sebastian Castro at defensive back. Right now, he leads the team in interceptions. He's tied with Xavier Nwampka. Both of them have one interception. Sebastian Castro returned that pick for a touchdown against Iowa State in a rivalry game. Which, speaking of that, Iowa is a clutch team. In big moments, they often come up with an answer. At running back, the Nittany Lions have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. Allen currently leads the team in rushing yards. Singleton leads the team in rushing touchdowns. That is a top three running back room in the nation. And right now, Iowa is starting their second string running back, LaShawn Williams, because Caleb Johnson is injured. The staff, I would have to lean towards Penn State. I do think that James Franklin currently is a better coach than Kirk Ferentz. I'm known as a James Franklin critic, I imagine, throughout many circles, but at least James Franklin has shown that he can put together a great staff and can adapt. Kirk Ferentz is aging. I think that he is going to retire soon, and his inability to fire Brian Ferentz, who is the worst offensive coordinator in the country, earns him doubt from me. I think that Iowa has a much lower ceiling than they could have as a program because of the nepotism that runs through the football program. So staff goes to the Nittany Lions. And finally, quarterback. Wide receiver, I think we already know that with Keandre Lambert-Smith leading Penn State in receiving yards with 220 and having two receiving touchdowns, which is more than any Iowa player has in receiving yards or receiving touchdowns. I think we already know that wide receiver is far superior for the Nittany Lions, even though at a national stage, Penn State does have some concerns there. But really quarterback, I expected Cade to play better, Cade McNamara, than I than he has right now. 
I thought he would be a better quarterback in the preseason. And Aller has exceeded my expectations. Aller right now is a 152.4 passer rating, four passing touchdowns, 737 passing yards, and he's averaging 8.4 yards per pass attempt, and he's completing two out of every three passes that he throws. There is a potential that as Big Ten play continues that he comes back down to my preseason expectations, which had him being a good to above average quarterback who had flashes, but overall not a great quarterback. However, against West Virginia and against Illinois, I was impressed. Against West Virginia, he showcased his arm strength and his accuracy, and against Illinois, he showcased that even under extreme circumstances and duress, he refuses to turn over the football. These are good signs. McNamara, on the other hand, already has three interceptions. He has a 113 passer rating. He's averaging under six yards per pass attempt, and he has 417 passing yards. There's something about being coached or being a part of Brian Ferentz's scheme which just makes quarterbacks perform at a worse level. So Iowa has three positional advantages. Penn State has seven. Overall, Penn State's the better team. They're coached better. They have the home field advantage, and there's so much that goes in their favor. Who are the players to look out for? LaShawn Williams, if he has another breakout performance, the line plays its best game of the season, and the defense tightens up, LaShawn Williams would be the pathway for Iowa to win. The reason is that Penn State routinely has struggled against defending the interior run. Now, they don't give up, typically, they did against Delaware. They gave up a very long touchdown run through the interior. They typically don't do that. But what they aren't doing, what they aren't doing well is preventing teams from gaining three to four yards per carry on the inside. Now, a team has to be patient to continue to work that interior, but if they're patient and continue to work Penn State's defensive tackles and gain 12, 15 feet on them every time they touch the ball, eventually a bigger play will work its way through, or potentially through the air, you can get the passing game working because Penn State would have to commit more to defend against the run. Penn State last year, when they faced up against Michigan, they hadn't played really a real opponent up until they played Michigan last year. At the time, Auburn looked like a real opponent, but we very quickly learned Auburn was a horrible football team. Brian Harson was fired before the end of the season. Penn State had one of the best rushing defenses on paper in the nation. They came into the big house, and Michigan put 400 yards up on them. They were exposed. The reason they had a great defense against the ground statistically is because they played nobody and because they have good defensive ends and good defensive ends against poor offensive lines can be very effective run stoppers if they can get around the tackles quickly or they are ganged up against the guards on the interior if the defensive line decides to attack all throughout the middle. Iowa's offensive line, I think has good enough tackle play, guard play, and center play to where if LaShawn Williams has a good game, he plays at an A level, that he can get some big chunks and some explosive plays. And that can keep Drew Aller and Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen and Keandre Lambert-Smith and Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren off the field, which helps Iowa's defense rest, 
helps them to perform better against Penn State's offense, which has explosive components, players, and has a good OC and play caller in Mike Yersich. And that also gives Iowa a lane to score and more versatility on the offensive side of the ball to move up and down the field. For Penn State, I think Drew Aller is the player to watch because their run game, the Nittany Lions run game so far is less impressive than it was last year. This is something I wasn't expecting. Penn State's only averaging 4.6 yards per carry. Now, Michigan comparatively and even Ohio State so far haven't been faring as well as I expected them to do on the ground. For Ohio State, it's more of an offensive line issue. Michigan, Penn State, part of it's with the offensive line, but I've also been, for Singleton, for example, I haven't been impressed with the fact that if he can't find a hole, he's easily stuffed. It's similar with Donovan Edwards in Michigan. I expect these running back rooms to do better as the year goes on. I still think that Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are the three best running back rooms in the nation. However, Drew Aller has been more impressive to me. Keandre Lambert-Smith is wide receiver number one, and Iowa's secondary has had some holes, and they do have vulnerabilities. And I think Drew Aller, with the home crowd, he's not going to face as much pressure, I don't think, as he did against Illinois, because Iowa does not have a Jerzon Newton. They don't. They have great players, maybe near-elite players, but the offensive line last week was put at a disadvantage being on the road and playing against the number one defensive tackle, potentially the number one overall defensive prospect in the nation. That put Penn State's offensive line at a huge disadvantage. I mean, Newton was constantly pushing over Olu Fashanu, the nation's number one offensive line prospect. I don't think that will happen here. I could be wrong. I think Iowa overall has a better defensive line but they don't have that kind of X-factor player that Illinois does. They don't. So I think Aller, if he's well-protected, if he shows maturity, and at home, Penn State plays totally differently than they do on the road. I think there isn't another team that you can compare to Penn State where the difference between them on the road and at home is so clearly evident. I think Penn State has the biggest disparity in level of play when they play in Beaver Stadium versus when they play, let's say, in Ohio Stadium, Michigan Stadium, or in Memorial Stadium, whether that's in Illinois or Nebraska. There's tons of Memorial Stadiums. But the home field advantage, Keandre Lambert-Smith being a fast breakaway guy, and I think that Iowa's secondary might struggle against someone like him. I think if he can get big plays, that will open up holes on the ground, and that could turn ugly for Iowa relatively quickly. The question is, do I think that will happen? And my answer is, I think Penn State wins this game. In the preseason, I picked Penn State to win by eight points. I thought that they would score more touchdowns, Iowa would kick more field goals, and that would result in Penn State winning by seven or more so eight points. That Penn State would have, you know, two more touchdowns and Iowa would have two more field goals comparing their offenses to each other. I'm higher on Penn State than I was in the preseason. I'm a little lower on Iowa. So I think that Penn State will win by two scores here, whether that's 10, whether that's 9, whether that's you know, 13, 12, 11, or two touchdowns. I think they will win by two scores. 
I think it's unlikely, though, that they cover that 15-point spread. I think that both teams will be able to exploit weaknesses in their opposing defenses in particular. The over-under for this game right now, this is something that I saw, and I'm not a betting expert, so don't follow my advice, but the over-under right now is set at 40. I think the over is, just from my mind watching these two teams, if the under hits, that wouldn't surprise me, but I think the over is the right play here. I think that Iowa's secondary has shown vulnerability. You can run on Iowa. Michigan and Ohio State showed that last year. You just have to be stubborn with it, consistent, and you can't make mistakes. But you can run on the Hawkeyes. It's not like they have a Georgia defensive line or a traditional Alabama defensive line or a, you know a traditional Ohio State or Michigan defensive line. I think this year Ohio State and Michigan probably have some of the best rush defenses in the country. I don't think Iowa has that. Meanwhile, Penn State's defense, we know that the interior run is a problem. Iowa might have the offensive tackle play to where if they run enough on the interior, they can then test the exterior if Penn State adjusts and decides to really try and stack the box and protect the interior run if Iowa can work that. And Penn State, their secondary is good. It really is. They have talent. But I've noticed that sometimes in those clutch moments when they need a stop, their defense just can't come up with it. And I don't know exactly why that is, but Iowa being a team that is known to be clutch, Penn State psychologically not being known for that could be a factor. I think Iowa's offensive line will be more comfortable than it's ever been just playing through three weeks. It will be tough on the road. I think false starts, some of them will occur, but overall this offensive line will play with great poise. They'll be able to hold their own at the point of attack, and they'll be able to push forward when Iowa wants to run the ball. They do, however, lack the scoring offense to win against a a top 10 team. I don't think Iowa's a top 10 team, let alone a top 15 team right now. And with how Cade McNamara has been performing and with some of the injuries at running back, it's very hard for me to see Iowa coming in here and getting a win. It's hard for me to see that. I think Penn State's defense will struggle to stop Iowa's run game, but their secondary and linebacker core is so good, I don't see how Iowa is going to effectively pass on this team unless they want to kill Penn State with a thousand paper cuts. And that would be very painful for Penn State. That'd be the most Iowa way to win the game, but I don't know if Iowa can even get, you know, five yards per carry, or if they can get passes that are longer than 10 yards. And McNamara has had some accuracy issues like he did at Michigan. And on the road in this environment, there are just so many things that have to go right for Iowa to win this game that I think Penn State's going to win. They're the better team. I think Aller and Lambert Smith will attack Iowa's defensive backs and they'll get a big play or two. I think that there's a good chance that you see Penn State have a long touchdown pass. I don't know about a long touchdown run, but I think a long touchdown pass or a long pass maybe of like 30 or 40, dare I say it, 50 yards, is very much in play here. And I would expect not just one, but probably two of those to happen in this game. Overall, Iowa's defense will be solid. It will be a near elite, elite defense, but there will be some breakdowns when enough pressure is put on them. 
That's all I have to say in this prediction video. Thank you to my patrons for sponsoring this channel. I want to give a special shout-out to Spencer Bringhurst, my All-American patron, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Check out my link in the description if you want to join my Patreon page, where depending on your tier, you get exclusive benefits. And you also get shout-outs like this because you become a special member of the College Football with Sam community as you have prestige. Your support is never expected, but it is always appreciated. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. Make sure to comment your thoughts down below and tell me who you think is going to win this game and what Penn State's and Iowa's records will be at the end of the season. Have a great day, guys.